I'm Dr. Pete Economo, the East Coast psychologist. And I'm Dr. Nikki Rubin, the West Coast psychologist. And this is When East Meets West. Well, Nikki, another wonderful guest for season two. Ready for this one, Nikki? What do you think? Yes, I, I'm really excited about our guest today. This is one we've been, we've been waiting to have him on. We have been waiting. And yeah. so uh, for you today, we have Howard Spector, and he is uh, on, on the path to becoming a therapist. In 2012, he co-founded Simple Practice, which is a business management software solution that's translated into providing wonderful ease to over 100,000 providers, Nick and I being one of them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, and he's gone to expand his portfolio to uh, Simple Practice Learning, which is also providing continuing education training. So as CEO, Howard has actively worked to challenge and redefine what it means to be a successful leader. And that's a lot of what we're going to talk about today because he emphasizes the human first approach and leverages his psychology background. And he's built a culture that speaks to the very core of its employees and its customers. So in 2020, Simple Practice was honorably recognized as Forbes' best startup employers and built in LA's best places to work. So how cool is that? So and and in his spare time, which gets me very excited, enjoys meditation, tennis, hiking, and spending time with his family. So Howard, welcome to When East Meets West. Well, thanks for having me. That was a, quite an intro. <laughs> I, I, we, I could have we could have went on and on. I yeah, mean, we could have we we could have gone on. I mean, this is and as as Pete was just saying, um, yeah, for our listeners, I'm like we we use uh, we use simple practice software. I also do courses with them. Like we, Pete and I, Pete and I love civil practice and we love, you know, um, both us, yeah. And Howard. <laughs> yeah. So say we love like we, and, and this episode is about entrepreneurship with, with empathy. And, you know, we were just like, there's no better person to talk about this than, than, than you, Howard. Well, that's very humbling. Thank you. Let's see how it goes. Let me see how it goes. <laughs> well, so why don't you start off? So Howard, what about starting off with, you know, in this intro, this, you were on your path to becoming a therapist. And then in 2012, something happened, or you know, maybe talk to us a little bit about that journey. Well, I mean, it, it, it's a long story, right? But like everything, <laughs> yeah. Yes, I mean, um, I'm just trying to give you the abridged version. But I, I feel like you know, every time I tell the story, I feel like I need to go back to my teens because I Let's really where kind of things opened up for me. Yeah, uh, I um, look. I was trying to figure my life out in my mm. teens. Really, I didn't feel like I fit in. I, it's just like something was off. And um, I discovered I, Carl Jung, actually. It was like the story is basically I, I used to love the rock group, The Police. Oh, yeah. yeah. I also love The Police. When they came out with the album Synchronicity, um, I, I actually happened. There was a, a, an RA in the dorm I was living in. Um, had all of, he was a psychologist. He had all of Young's works. Mm. And I, I borrowed on synchronicity, the paper that Young wrote, and I was blown away by it. I mean, talking about, you know, a causal connecting principle and like all this kind of stuff. And it just really it like spoke to me. And mm. then I bought Memories, Dreams and Reflections. And um, reading that book, I had like these most inc- the vivid dreams. Mm. And I just related to what Young was talking about. He talked about like the number one and the number two person and all this mm. stuff. And and I just, it really, it normalized a lot of things for me. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where, you know, um, when, when that doorway opens up and you kind of see beyond that, you can't ever close. It's like, you're, you're, right. you're kind of screwed in some ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can't, can't close it. that door. 
Yeah, it's like ignorance is bliss, right? Yeah, but oh my yeah. god, totally. So, so that was the kind of something happened for me where I just found like when I when I read these psychological kind of works, I felt like I found home. I felt very it was something was right about it. But mm. you know, it was a time where these weren't things people were talking about, especially, you know, men, you know, mm-hmm. they were talking about other things. So I felt like something was kind of wrong with me that I, that I really resonated for this to this stuff. And I felt like I had to go out in the world and be a man (laughs) business and do all those, you know, kind of manly things and (laughs) days to use, like talking about man, but anyway, that's, that's how it was back then. So anyway, so I went out in the world, tried to do my thing, you know, struggled a lot, you know, I didn't really have a lot of direction, Mm -hmm. um, actually suffered from a lot of depression, Mm -hmm. um, I went through bouts of unemployment. I just couldn't find my way, but I always found comfort coming back to like just certain books and readings and things like that. Mm. And anyway, uh, it isn't all doom and gloom because uh, (laughs) a lot of it is, but not all of it. But basically I, I ended up getting a job in the tech industry when I was um, like in the early nineties. And Mm -hmm. um I really liked it. I tried my hand in working in Hollywood and I just, it just didn't feel right for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was living up in Palo Alto at the time. And um, I just, I loved the creativity. I loved like what people were building and doing. And I always kind of been a little bit of a, a geek. You know, I liked technology. My dad bought like the first Apple computer for us and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So um, I ended up getting a job back down in LA in a, at a digital agency. And um, again, long story short, went through uh, an IPO, went through the dot-com bubble bursting. And I really just, I literally woke up one day and thought, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to be a therapist. You know, I'm going to go to graduate school to, I'm going to a very specific school. I'm going to go to Pacifica Graduate Institute. And I'm gonna, I want to go there because I was reading a lot of Joseph Campbell at the time. And I was reading Robert Johnson's books, you know, he, we, she, all those amazing yeah. books. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, really getting into mythology and like looking at myth, you know, as a metaphor for our lives and stuff like that. And I just watched the Fisher King, that movie came out. Mm-hmm. After yeah. So everything was kind of lining up and Pacifica was a school that I'd heard about from my therapist. And again, the whole Joseph Campbell connection and everything really resonated with me. And, um, and I went there and it was the most transformative experience of my life because I was finally in a place where there were like-minded people that were speaking mm. the same. Language. I felt like I finally found my people. Yeah. And so it really was normalizing for me in a lot of ways and really healing for me in a lot of ways. And, you know, Pacifica is a very experiential program to go mm-hmm. through. You live up there for three days a month. Um, you know, the Sundays are your, your um, process days. So, you know, mm. you, you do is you break into triads, you start, you know, going through the techniques and it's really, you know, you kind of dread Sunday, you know, (laughs) (laughs) right. The cool thing about it was, you know, I would drive up to Santa Barbara and it was like, I was leaving everything behind to go to this magical place for three days. And then you leave there totally raw Mm -hmm. and you come back to civilization and process all the stuff that just came up. And then you go back Mm -hmm. again the next month. So for me, it was just an amazing process for me, me personally. And then in my second year, like everybody else, you have to start tracking your training hours. Right. And it's, you know, you go to this class and they tell you, okay, here's what you got to do. And it, it's totally confusing. It makes no sense. And, <laughs> and I started thinking, well, you know, isn't there like a software product where you can track your hours and train and do all that stuff and it'll generate your forms. And anyway, That's so interesting. Yeah. Long 
story short, there wasn't. So I ended up creating one, the product called Track Your Hours. Which, and, which you also used when I, yeah. <laughs> when I was a grad student, <laughs> right? I felt um, it I needed it. Yeah. So it ended up being something where, and I started huh. marketing it myself. I called up the different camps chapters. And I told people about it. And mm-hmm. anyway, anyway it, it, more and more people started using it. And that was great. But as I was going through all of my training, um, when I got out of school, I was, I was working different jobs and I was doing my, my hours. Mm-hmm. I did all my hours. I got all my 3,000 hours. Um, I did everything. But I realized that this wasn't the path for me, that yeah. the, the track, track your hours was really taking off. And I also, as I was getting close to being done with my hours, I started thinking about, you know, what am I going to do? What software am I going to use to run my practice when I'm ready to practice? And I looked at the time what was out there and nothing really spoke to me. And I thought, I'm going to create something. So that's when I had like, like track your hours was going to Pacifica was an epiphany moment for me. It's like, mm-hmm. I just woke up one day and said, I'm going to go do that. And I went and did it. Track your hours was something where I was working in an entertainment marketing company. I, I would meditate every morning in my office on the mm. floor. And that's when the, the track your hours idea just hit me. And mm. then by that afternoon, I was already developing it. And then with, with simple practice, um, I, I thought, you know, there's nothing else, there's nothing out there I really want to use. So maybe I can create something that's like intuitive and easy and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So, and it wasn't until a little bit later where I just, again, had this moment where I, I thought, okay, now I get it. I know how I want to build this product. I, I like imagined a therapist, like she's sitting in a chair, a chair in her office. She's looking at her phone and she's reviewing the notes from the, the, the previous session from the client she was just about to see. So I thought like, you know, the mobile piece of it, and I started to really think about the calendar and how it was going to work. Mm. And then I just basically, I partnered up with someone that I'd worked with at another company and essentially started the company like that week. And wow. that was in January of 2012, when we started the company and we basically had to develop for almost a year and a half before we launched the product in July of 2013. And we got our first customer, um, Katie Malinsky, who's still a customer. <laughs> nice. uh, we got the first customer in July, I think, and then, or June, one of those, I think it was June. And then, you know, I like to say it's like popcorn. Like you get one customer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course. You get a couple more and then a few more and it just starts to go. And we basically just were heads down in you know, building out the product, building out the roadmap, um, you know, starting in 2012 and, and we're still, we're still going. And now we're a company where we've got um, close to 250 employees. Wow. Um, um, you know, almost a hundred thousand, um, customers, mm-hmm. you know, they're serving millions of, of clients and patients. And, um, you know, it's, I'm very proud of, you know, the team we have that work for you, you know, and for mm-hmm. our customers mm-hmm. are incredibly passionate and committed to the mission that we're on. Mm-hmm. Um, can I just talk about the mission real quick? Yeah, please. No, absolutely. That'll be a good segue probably into the empathy. Yeah, totally. And, yeah, well, yeah, I was yeah. like, I was like, I think we're on yeah. the same wavelength here. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So every, you know, I really look at this, you know, simple practice. I mean, I say this a lot. So for people listening that have heard this before, I apologize for the repetition. But, <laughs> um, you know, this is really a mission-based company because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when I was training, when I was in school and when I was training, I was working with some really amazing people that were called to do this work. Yeah. And a lot of people don't think of it as work. They think of it as like, wow, I'm just, it's come so natural. I'm called to do this. And you know, they don't really think it's a business. Right. There was actually someone, you know, I used to sponsor some of these like local camp events. And I remember this woman, I think it was a San Gabriel Valley camp or something like that. And she stood up and she was saying how her husband thinks that what she does is a hobby. 
Yeah. And that like, just, I, I think about that a lot because that's like, that's what she has, lives with. Like, look, you know, she's doing this great work, but her, her husband's not taking it seriously. Right. as a job. So for me, simple practice, the mission around this is, you know, how do we help everyone doing this work, help, help them really understand, like they're small business owners and entrepreneurs, yeah. no, you know, um, and I want them to embrace that part of the work that they're doing. And, and that to me is the overall mission mm-hmm. because look, you know, as a business owner with simple practice, we have to, you know, we have to get people in what we call the upper funnel. You know, we have to get trial accounts in, right? Mm-hmm. And once we get trial accounts in, we want to convert people that are in trial to paid customers. And we want right. to, and we don't want those customers to what we call in technology, like we don't want to cause them to churn out, to leave us. So mm-hmm. therapy, it's the same, like, as a, for a clinician, it's the same thing. It's like, Absolutely. yeah. Wanna, you want to get the word out there and get people to come and 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 see you. You want yeah. them to stay. You want them to leave. And until, of course, maybe their course of therapy is done and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But and the mission idea really applies to a lot of the decisions that have been made, even with simple practice learning. And mm-hmm. we can talk about the practice website and some other things. It's all driven. It's not driven by money. It's driven by this mission to do these right to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Me. Financial success, like the financial success that Simple Practice has is a byproduct of, we have an unbelievable team of people that we treat very well and that, you know, that are bought into this mission that do great work. Yeah. Uh, they collaborate really well with one another. They take really good care of our customers, whether it's through building the product or supporting the product. And that leads to success. And to me, that's, again, it's a byproduct. So the focus wasn't when I started this company on how do I make a product that's going to make a lot of money that had nothing to do with it. You know, it's like, I had this idea and I, I tell people I couldn't not do it. I just had to like build this product and, and do these things. And we're very successful. I think just because we've had, I think we have good intention mm-hmm. uh, we do this for the right reason. And uh, we deeply care about our customers and we're all here working for them. It's like, uh, if you build it, they will come. Yeah. 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 yeah feel yeah. the dream. Feel the yeah. dreams. I was, I mean, uh, thank you for sharing um, the background, Howard, because I actually think it's really um, important to sort of frame this conversation that we're having today. And the reason that we, we really specifically wanted to have you on for this episode, because in, in what I hear from, from, you know, your, your journey, uh, you know, as a teenager, uh, through your training at Pacifica to, you know, beginning simple practice is that there's this, this dialectic that keeps showing up that I hear of like connecting with your values, right. Connecting with, with what you feel, what feels meaningful to you. Like I hear that a lot in what you're talking about, like at Pacifica, it's like, it just, it felt right. It's like, this was speaking to you. It's, you know, almost like, um, correct me if this word doesn't align, but I almost hear that like there's like a spiritual component to it a little Mm -hmm. bit. And Pete and I talk a lot about how like sometimes for us, like spirituality and values are kind of one and the same and how using your connection to those values then informs your behavioral choices. And I think that's a really powerful idea, both, um, obviously within business. Cause of course, you know, there's probably, you know, like a stories out there of like business is only, it's only greed. It's only bad. And it's like, well, actually no, like we can, con- you know, there's a way to contribute to the world um, and have success while also um, staying really connected to, to things that are very meaningful. Yeah. So for me, I learned how to wear 
the masks, you mm-hmm. know, the mm-hmm. that were required to go out sure. and, and, and have different jobs doing different things, you know, and being resourceful, you know, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. but I always felt empty and, mm-hmm. and I got mm-hmm. to a point in my life. And I think it's when I decided, you know, I'm going to go be a therapist. You know, that was a moment in my life where I felt like, you know, I can't, I can't be inauthentic. You know, yeah. I have to be, I have to be very deeply passionate and connected to the work that I'm doing. And, and that's how I feel now. I mean, that's why I started this business and that's why I love working, you know, in this, with this community of our, of our customers, because mm-hmm. there's a lot of depth and a lot of meaning to it. And if you follow your heart and you follow your passion and you're curious and you seek out those things, you're, you're going to end up where you need to be totally. and you're going to look back and you're going to be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. We got here. You know, so I just think that's really cool. The other thing about how we got where we are as a company, there's so much that's written about, you know, the unicorns. And I just read today, like, you know, there's two other companies like kind of trying to get in our space. It just did their series D round and, you know, they're raising hundreds of millions of dollars. And, and I just, and I think to myself, you know, the message to young, young people, young entrepreneurs is if you don't have build a unicorn business or if you don't raise a bunch of venture capital money, you're a f- loser. Right. You know? And that is the message out there. And I want right. to like tell that message and say, you know what? I bootstrapped this company. I didn't go raise VC money. Wow. You don't have to do that. And you could build a business that makes a million dollars a year and that's a massive success. And I just totally. think those things are out there enough for people to understand. Like you don't have to be Mark Zuckerberg. Yes. No. <laughs> But that sells papers and I totally understand, you know, the psychology around that. Sure. I just don't, I think that I want to talk more to people and, and encourage them to follow their passions and do the business. Yeah. Yes. Don't worry about the money. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Worry about the, worry about your values, worry about what you connect with and, and use that as the guide, not as like, again, the money is like the care, like that's the problem when people get stuck on external things and yeah. it leads them astray. Right. And it's not going to, and like you said, then you wear the mask and it feels empty. So, um, no, this is, I mean, this is fantastic. Howard, this is so great. We're looking at you know entrepreneurship with empathy. And I think that that your training and this specific experience really brought that to you. So one of the things that I'm uh, passionate about is organizational psychology. This is something that we do at Rutgers University, which is really about just the humanness of running a business. You know, that's the definition essentially of organizational psychology. How do we look at the behavior? How do we motivate people to want to be a part of the mission? Uh, and you know, we had some faculty, um, you know, Clay Outerfer, who took Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which everyone, all listeners that have taken a basic psych course heard of that, but he took that and said, there's this ERG, existence, relatedness, and growth. And so what I'm hearing is like your existence and your suffering that we all have kind of led to this relatedness of your colleagues and now, you know, employees at the, at the company to really significant growth. So I wondered if you would maybe talk a little bit about, you know, that, that aspect of applying this organizational psychology theory to this, the growth of this beautiful business and product. I mean, everything's grown very organically in, the, in this company. So, I mean, there's two, there's two ways I'm thinking about what you're asking me. Um, one is, well, there's, there's the growth of the company, which is the people in the company. And then there's the growth of the business, which is right. business gets the, gets bigger and more quote unquote successful. Cause we have more yeah. customers generate more revenue, blah, blah, blah. So it, do you want, is, do you want to focus on the company oh. one? But those, both of those are part of it. So whichever feels yeah. more organic for you, it's, it's a great way to, to tease those two out. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I think that like I've, as I alluded to earlier, I, I've had a lot of careers, you know, I've had a lot of jobs. I've done a lot of different things. And, you know, for a long time in my life, I carried a lot of shame around that because I had a resume that had a lot of stuff on it. Yeah. When I, when someone asked for my resume, I kind of like had it broke into a cold sweat. I'm like, oh, you know, they're going to ask, I had so many jobs or what, why are there all these like times in my resume where I'm not working and stuff like that. Yeah. But later on, it wasn't until later when I really realized that, and hopefully I'll get back to your your question. We'll circle into this is that, you know, now I love the fact that I've had all these different jobs doing all these different things because I've met all sorts of different people. I've had to put myself in different situations and learn how to be resilient and learn how to be resourceful Mm -hmm. and do the things, even when I was wearing the masks, Mm -hmm. but at least I had those different experiences and different things. And I think that's really helped me understand and and how to work with different kinds of people, you know, or, or even recognize the fact that everyone is truly an individual. Yes. You know, and that's something that really hit home when I was at Pacifica, when I realized even the people in my, my class that were a little bit annoying, you know, it's like, <laughs> they were needed, you know, yes. like, yeah. were, everybody was needed and everybody was unique and everyone was an individual, but it really helped me understand. And I don't think it, this was any a conscious thing. It was just a, a, an unconscious, intuitive kind of thing that, that played out that, look, our company is made up of individuals about, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think that I... I recognize that. And I feel like because I recognize that, I think the people in this company feel that, you know, they feel like they're really truly seen for who they are. Mm-hmm. They're not just an employee with a job description. I even tell people that when they interview here, it's like, you're not a job description. You're not working in an apartment. You're a human being that comes here with a lot of experience and a lot to offer. So let's make sure that we've got you doing the right thing. And the company is very dynamic because you know, life is about change, right? Mm-hmm. I did a podcast with someone, it was all about transformation. And I was talking about how, you know, we're constantly in a state of change and transformation. You know, my business is, I am, my customers are, our customers are in the business of transformation, right? That's so right. It, it's everywhere. So when you, when, for me as a business owner, and I guess this ties into the empathy piece as well, it's like the business is this dynamic system that's constantly in a state of, of, of movement. Yes. And, and as a business owner, I'm trying to be as attuned to that as I can to understand when we need to make shifts or changes or do things or move people around or change a process or something like that. And to me, that's actually the most fun part of it. Yes. Because, yeah. Cause a lot of people just, it's a set it and forget it kind of thing with a business. Like you're in this department, you go work over here, you go do this, you go do that. But my feeling is software, like the product that we produce you know, software is evolutionary and iterative. You know, you're yes. constantly getting feedback from your customers. They're telling you what you want them want you to do. <laughs> you know, you've got to continue to evolve the product. So why should a company be any different? So I feel like that's, you know, that's what I do as the owner of the leader of this business is understanding that we have to always be attuned to the shifts and the changes that are happening and make sure that we're, staying up to date on those things and we're evolving the business to accommodate the individuals and the unique individuals that work mm-hmm. here. And I feel like that's really been a big part of our success because a lot of people come in through the kind of one door and go to one place, but they end up somewhere else. And it's yeah. really kind of cool because we're recognizing their strengths and weaknesses, whatever. And we're saying, Hey, you know what? You should be over here. And mm-hmm. One of the proudest things for me right now for this company is really watching the evolution of how some people have really grown that have been here for, you know, four years, five years or three months, whatever it is, 
just watching them grow and seeing how they've taken on more things or done different things. That's really cool. And I think a lot of this ties into maybe the needs that I was looking to fill when I wanted to be a therapist. Yeah. So, um, you know, going back to your initial question about practicing being a therapist, Mm -hmm. it's like, I did all the training and everything, but I never did. I never got licensed because just was on a different path. And I'd like to joke and say that my mom still doesn't understand like why I went to a therapist, but I feel like I'm doing better work for the community of, of clinicians because I'm trying to provide for them, yeah. uh, you know, a great resource in many different ways for them to be able to go and do the work that they're doing. My mom still doesn't understand what I'm doing either. So don't, <laughs> we, so we can share in that. I think um, that's, it's, it's interesting, like this concept of like, even though you didn't become licensed, but, um, but that that's an important part of what you're doing in the business. It's also because it's like, I keep hearing, I mean, and I love that you're saying this is like, you keep coming back to this concept of like being a human, right? Like we're all humans that are doing this. And like, you're, you know, it's a company made up of individual humans, um, serving humans in the community to, you know, that are providing, uh, you know, human clients, patients to the opportunity to just change and evolve. And, um, I love that he said that his customers are in the business of change. Yes. And it's like, that's yeah, yeah. That's a transformation. Yeah. A butterfly is a logo. A butterfly is about soul psyche. Yes. Transformation. yes. That wasn't yes. by accident. Yeah. Right. So yes. Beautiful. Well, and there's such a, um, like by, by honoring that first and foremost, you know, and like Pete and I talk about that, like all the time on this podcast, like we're constantly going, coming back to like, and we're humans, like this is human experience. And we, we discuss it obviously through these lenses of both like Eastern spirituality and Western be- behavioral science, though, this is, this is a concept that applies across contexts and, and including in business. And even what I'm hearing Howard talk a lot about is practicing flexibility, right? Creativity. Yeah. Like, like there's a mindful component to what you're describing too. It's like being attuned and present to what the needs are and, and shifting with that. Yeah. And that plays into the culture of our company. I mean, a couple mm-hmm. of things. One is, um, I'll come back to the culture piece in a second, but going back to the mission idea, mm-hmm. you know, and, it's humans, but it's, it's really about individuals, like unique, right? So, but you know, the mission, I think most people, probably everybody, but it's hard to say everybody, right. But I think (laughs) most people here in in, in our company are really connected to the human mission that we're, that we're connected to. Like we we are in some small way helping people like you that are out there actually on the front lines doing the work. I say healing the world one person at a time, right? That's right. Yeah. And, you know, there was one, I, I bring this up a lot because it's something that's like really profound. It's hard not to cry when I bring it up. And mm. it's like, when there was like that Parkland shooting, mm. uh, there was an image that I came across of these three young kids holding a candle, yeah. uh, you know, in this, ca- this candlelit vigil. We have a Friday meeting with the company, you know, every Friday. That's Friday meeting. Uh, <laughs> fancy that. Fancy, where, yeah. And, um, and I put that picture up there around the time of the shooting. And I just said, you know, just a reminder, you know, our customers are dealing with people like either that that are directly related to the Parkland shooting or just people, anyone that's affected by the the horrors of those things. Mm. Those are our customers are dealing with that stuff. So making that connection between the work that we're doing to provide a software tool and other services to support them, 
you know, that's pretty powerful stuff to know yeah. that that's what you're connected to on a daily basis when you go to your job. Yeah. So I think that we have a really incredible group of people that work at this company that are really connected to that mission and understand the impact that, you know, what are the impact that our customers have on the world, especially with all the politics that have gone on and the mm. pandemic, you know, racial justice and all these things, you know, it's a pretty cool place to be. Um, knowing that you're, again, in some small way connected to all these things that are happening. Well, it's clearly the apple doesn't fall far from the tree by based on their leader, you know, and I think that that's a lot of what you're, I mean, how, what a powerful image to put up there. And I mean, I think we could continue talking forever. We're almost out of time, believe it or not. So lastly, I wondered if you would talk a little bit about, um, you know, gut, you know, we, we were talking a little bit about sort of trusting your gut and meditation. So maybe a little bit about like how you've integrated uh, meditation, because that'll be the Eastern spiritual stuff that we often bring into here, uh, uh, into your company. Yeah. So I, so someone gave me John Kabat-Zinn's book, Full Catastrophe Living, yeah. a long time ago, and it literally sat on my shelf for maybe ten years. Yeah. <laughs> um, at one point, I just felt like it just it, it was time for me to read it. It just called out to me, and yeah. so I said, "Okay, I'm going to read this book, and if it makes sense, I'm going to do what it says to do." So as soon as I started reading it, I'm like, "Oh my God, this makes total sense." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I read the book and at the time there was only cassette tapes. Like you could send away for, for John's cassette tape. So I did. And I basically tried as best as I could to put myself through the course, did the body scan, the whole thing. And it was totally transformative for me in my yeah. life. I never felt more grounded. I never mm -hmm. spoke more clearly. I said what I meant. I meant what I said. It was like, mm -hmm. my tennis game was amazing because I was- <laughs> Totally. It was unbelievable how, how transformative that was. So yeah. I ended up actually, um, I went into some trainings and I, I taught, I, I opened up a wellness center um, and taught the six week, you know, MBSR yeah. course. Yeah. Because not because I felt like, I just felt I facilitated it. I didn't teach it. I helped people, you know, do that work because I just felt it was so powerful. So for me, and I've been on silent meditation retreats at Spirit Rock and other places. I love silent retreats. Oh, I mean, that's yeah. what, actually, that's been my, like, it, we, we talk a lot about that on this podcast because that's what I miss the most with the pandemic. There's silver lining somewhere, but like that, that's, that silent retreat option, I'm just missing to like recharge because, you you know, session in the Zen world, like you need that longer period of sitting. You can sit every night, morning and night. But that longer period for that discipline, has you, gotta, you gotta like, you gotta drop, you know, you gotta, totally. you gotta give yourself like a few days to just f drop in, man. And then it's just like, you know, it's the best. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. Maybe one day we could do that together. Yeah, let's do it. I think that training for me and doing that work and, you know, practicing meditation, you know, it grounds you in the present. So I have a very present kind of outlook on life. You know, um, when people say, Hey, I'll see you tomorrow. I'm like, well, how do you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, very, no, we talk about it all the time. It's very literal. It's yeah. very so, literal. You know, we, I don't, you know, if we have a great month of simple practice, I don't assume next month will be that way. It's like right. next month, is, you know, so I don't take time for granted. You know, time is our most precious resource. Uh, that's, that sounds cliche, but I really believe it. I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to waste other people's time. Uh, I want to make sure that, you know, the things that we're doing that we're, we're just, we're not wasting time. So, mm -hmm. Having that level of attention, um, I pay attention to things. So when we talk about our company culture and things like that, these aren't just words that just get spit out there and not followed up on. I'm very mindful of 
making sure that the things that we talk about at, at, at our company that we want to do and then the things we want to embody culturally and ethically and whatever, we have to vigilantly guard those on a moment by moment basis. Yes. Also our employees or the you know people that work here will think, well, they're kind of that's that they say these things, but they don't really mean it. Yeah. And I've been in companies like that and it totally disintegrates the trust and the mm-hmm. bond between the people that are working and the people that are leading. So I'm very mindful of those things as best I can. I'm not perfect, but you know, that's where that comes into play where you, you know, if you want to have a great culture, you got to define what it is and you got to be hyper vigilant about it moment by moment and, and guard it because it's a slippery slope. Once you let things go, you're done. And um, I don't want to be done. This has been When East Meets West. I'm Dr. Pete Economo. And I'm Dr. Nikki Rubin. Be present, be brave. This has been When East Meets West. All material is based on opinion and educational training of Drs. Pete Economo and Nikki Rubin. Content is for informational and educational purposes only.